going to go to a verse that we've gone to here recently and even focus in on something that we have focused in on recently, but feel like we're going to just kind of look at a little different perspective maybe today. Acts, the second chapter. Let's all just ask God to help us right now. Lord, we know without you we can't do anything. Lord, we are looking to you and asking for your strength, for your anointing today, God. Asking, Lord, that not only the preaching would... Lord, just be just permeated with your spirit, God, and that I would just stay out of your way. But God, that the hearing of your word, Lord, that so important that we would, Lord, hear with ears of the spirit, God, that you would touch every heart and every life, God, and that you would direct us. And Lord, just that your word would affect us, Lord, for your good purpose in each one of our lives. We love you so very much. We thank you, Lord, for all that you already have done and what you will do. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. We're turning to Acts 2. Again, we do, I know, probably all of us, but not quite as much as Brother Mike, Miss Sister Emily. Keep holding her up in prayer. Not sure how far she's going to drive uh, tonight, but I told her uh, we're going to give her something to listen to on the way home here just in a little while. So, hallelujah. Keep holding her up in prayer. Acts 2. Somebody say book of Acts. Yeah. Verse 40. We could just read through so much of this, but for the sake of time, let's just read this one verse. Acts 2.40. And with many other words. Did you ever wonder what he said? Right. Praise God. Wouldn't you like to hear, heard that sermon that day? With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. God bless you. You can be seated. He's already, what is recorded in the book of Acts is there in the second chapter, is already just an amazing sermon, if you will, a message that God anointed in this, this, this man that has been changed. He's been converted that day. He followed Jesus for three and a half years, but now something was different. He's not hiding by the fire uh, with the enemy. He's not following afar off, but there he is standing up with a new boldness because he had just been filled with the Holy Ghost. This same one that had said, I don't even know the man. I, I don't know what you're talking about. He is changed now. That same one that had all that just excitement to say, you know what, Lord, these guys might run away, but when it gets tough, I will die before I turn my back on you. And then when the going got tough, he got going. Amen. He, uh, he denied he knew Jesus three times. He needed the spirit of God. Lord said, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. And here we see this New Testament experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Peter stands up and, and what is recorded is just incredible. And it, and this first message to a New Testament church after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Ghost is poured out, the power of God now available to fill our lives. Peter stands up and said, this promise is unto you. This is unto you. And it's unto your children, not just everybody here and not just the the Jewish people and the proselytes there, but to as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then we go on into this verse here in verse 40. It says, with many other words, did he testify and exhort? We spent some time talking about the idea of really... uh, Well, the Word of God, it's just that. You know, we're not going to try to make excuses for the Word of God. We're going to bend our lives around the Word of God, not bend the Word of God to fit our lives. So the idea of Peter standing up at this gathering of thousands and saying, Save yourselves, sounds so different than what a lot of churches are preaching today. Guess who's right? (laughs) The Bible's right. I know there's this idea, well, everybody's right. Everybody can't be right. You you can't have people saying, I think two plus two is five. And somebody else says, I'm thinking maybe three. And 
Somebody stands up and says, well, somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. You say, you're so intolerant. Well, you're going to hurt their feelings. We're not worried. We're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not too embarrassed to say at all that I, I don't like hurting people's feelings. But I want to stay with the word of God because I, uh, the Bible says, let every man be a liar. Let God's word be true. So how do you save yourself? Well, Jesus paid the price. He is the Savior. It's not by me, like I said earlier, trying to, trying to do enough good to impress God. I can't clean up my own life. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to fall on your own face trying. But you're going to have to have God's salvation. What do I do to save myself? I turn to Him. I do what I, I obey the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus paid the price for my sins, that Jesus has the answer. So I've got to save myself from turning away from my will and my ideas and my own righteousness. The idea that I can somehow be good enough and I turn away from that and I turn to Jesus. Amen. I obey him. That's called repentance. You have a change of direction, a change of heart. And he's going to help you with that. He's going to, he's going to do that work in you. Peter said, repent of your sins. Be baptized every one of you. In the verse 38, two verses before. Oddly enough, verse 40. It says, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. I'm going to save myself by obeying the gospel. I'm going to bury that old life. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to believe God for it. He's going to do the baptizing. Amen. And I'm going to do the receiving. He goes on and keeps on preaching for a while. God only gave us part of the message. Gave us what we needed. But it says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, I'm using the King James Bible. And uh, that word untoward is an interesting word. And I want to look at that again tonight for just a little while. The idea of being untoward, it really, if you look up the definition of that Greek word, it's talking about something that is twisted or perverse. It's not, it's not really going in the right direction. It's not going toward uh, God. It's not going toward His will. It's not going toward His purpose and his truth. And I thought about the idea of an an untoward generation, an untoward life. A life that isn't going toward anything worth living. Amen. See, if there's uh, such a thing as an untoward generation, untoward life, then there must be in God's plan Something we ought to be working toward. Amen. Amen. The idea of seeing, I, I looked, uh, they, this, this word is in the Bible so many times about uh, God's people moving toward something. But, you know, Genesis, the 13th chapter, verse 12, it talks about Abram, which later was named Abraham. And he dwelled in the land of Canaan in Genesis thirteen twelve, But his nephew Lot, dwelled in the cities of the plain and a very interesting story there in the book of Genesis, how Lot traveled with, with Abram and God just started blessing them. Don't be surprised when you get around a Christian and they're, they're blessed because God loves to bless his children and he'll bless anybody that'll, that will get in a place where they put him first. He's going to bless you. And, uh, they start getting blessed, and they're so blessed that they they can't hardly uh, because their their uh, their livelihood is is livestock. So as they travel, their herds and flocks need to eat the the grass in the field. And and he said, well, well, we've got so many of this these that we're going to have to try to figure something out here. We're going to have to split company here, lot. And the Bible says. That, uh, you know, Lot doesn't say anything about Lot praying about it. Doesn't say anything about 
Lot saying, well, Abram, you've got a relationship with God. You've heard from God. You know, and I'm, I've just been following you and experiencing the blessings of being around such a godly man that, that knows how to follow God, knows how to get a hold of God when he needs them. You know, maybe you could could uh, pray with me about this or give me some thoughts or, or, or Abram, you know, why don't you just go ahead and uh, as a leader and, a, and, and an elder in my life, just go ahead and choose and I'll, I'll take whatever's left over and, and I know God will bless us. But, you know, young Lot did what a lot of people do, kind of forget about praying about it, forget about what God's will might be and just kind of look out and see what looks best and not think too thoroughly about the consequences of his actions. And the Bible says at this point in Genesis thirteen twelve that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, if you've been around church for very long, you, you realize that people don't just overnight really end up in the middle of, of a backslidden condition, in the middle of a mess, in the middle of, of just overwhelming sin. Sodom was a very sinful town, and, and uh, we find out later Lot's family was affected in a very, very bad way, a very negative way being in Sodom and and uh, God had to deal with that. But one day it all started when Lot just went toward Sodom. He didn't just say, I'm going to Sodom. I would, he probably said, I know what you're thinking, Abram. I'm not going to Sodom. I'd never do that. You know, good intentions are, 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 are pretty uh, common, but you know, one step at a time. He he was going toward that day the wrong uh, the wrong direction. He went started going away from where he should have been going toward God and God's will. Amen. I've had people ask me, just say, "Hey, be honest with me." You know, you see this situation that this person's in, and you see this uh, the decisions this person's making. You know. Uh, you've been in this for a while. You've seen a lot of people come. You've seen a lot of people go. Hey, I want to tell you something. That's a very obvious sometimes when you start seeing the direction. Hey, right. man, I talked to somebody, stopped by the house here a while back, and, and I said, you know, you can get up here past my house and go up to, uh, to Route 30 if you want to, and you can turn uh, left and go start heading uh, towards Gettysburg. And you get mad all you want that I don't understand why I'm not in York. I want to be in York. I wish I was in York. Everybody, but you got to turn around and go the right towards York if you want to end up in York. And uh, there's, uh, if you're heading towards sin, if you're heading toward disaster, chances are you're going to get there if you don't turn around. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, talks about repentance. Kind of in a way we've already discussed it. Hebrews 6 verse 1. I know, I know there's a lot of different times you've heard folks say, you know, well, you know, you just, uh, you know, say this little prayer. And, but the idea of repentance is so important biblically. I believe in saying not just a little prayer. <laughs> say a good one. Tell God you're sorry. But don't just say you're sorry. Amen. Look what he says. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. That's talking about there are some basic fundamentals of being a Christian. And he was telling these Hebrews, if you will, you know, we got to move on and not just keep on laying the foundation. Let's let's move on to some maturity is what that word perfection is talking about. Let's grow up and not have to keep on rehashing some of these things. So he says, he starts to kind of recap some of these principles or foundation doctrines of Christ. And the first thing he says, laying not again the foundation of repentance from dead works. There are some things, you, you know, we've said it so many times. Uh, uh, it's a quote attributed to, to Albert Einstein. I've heard he's a pretty smart guy. 
And they said he's, he, he was quoted as saying, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but you expect different results. That is the very definition of insanity. You, you gotta, if you want something different, you're gonna have to do something different. And he says, repentance from dead works. You already know this has taken me in a bad direction. This hasn't helped me at all. This hasn't blessed me at all. This takes me further and further, brings out the worst in me. I'm gonna turn from that. But that's not enough. It's not enough to turn from sin. You're going to need to turn toward faith in God. Foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. I was, I was untoward. I was going away from God. Now I've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to start seeking you. I'm going to start moving toward you. And if there's something that is unlike you, something I know that is, is, is not your will for me, something that's destroying my life. I'm going to start my, my direction, going to turn my direction from that and start heading toward God. Amen. Look at what it says, Philippians. I just love this verse in Philippians 3. And coming up to the beginning of the year, we use this quite a bit, sometime Usually sometime, whether in December or in January, you're going to hear me turn to Philippians 3. Because even the Apostle Paul, this man who would seem to everybody that would be under, know him and be familiar with him and his ministry, they think he's, he, he, he's got something good going on. And one of the things that was so significant about Paul's ministry, he writes in these verses, he says, listen, I don't count myself to already have apprehended. I'm not going to sit back and say, hey, I've already fight my, fought my battles. I'm good, and I, I'm, I'm at a good spot. He said, I'd still press toward the mark. Too many times people... Come to church, they live for God for a while, and they feel like, well, I'm a whole lot better than a lot of people around me. And I, I really think it's a dangerous thing when people start kind of having an attitude. Well, I'm a whole lot better than what's going on here in the news and what's going on here in the world. And these hypocrites that are in calling themselves Christians. It, it doesn't really matter how you line up to anybody else or how much better you are than somebody else. God's not grading on a curve. Just because you can find a ton of people that are worse than you. I think so often of a man named Samson. He was a man that was very gifted from God, right? God had a plan for his life. And I see this going on in the word of God several times. It's kind of odd because uh, God was using Samson. God gave him supernatural gifts. But Samson was a mess. You can look at every single time he ever just did something miraculous, something just supernatural, his motive was always purely selfish. But God still allowed him to work in that gift that God gave him. Just because something supernatural has happened doesn't mean God's putting a stamp of approval on everything that person is living. Because the thing you don't realize is God was a lot less interested in Samson and how important he was than what he was interested in the people of Israel that were getting freedom from the Philistines every time Samson did what he was doing. See, there was a bunch of people praying, saying, help us. These Philistines are destroying us and god was getting that done he was answering their prayers but samson was going to have to answer to god there's one time samson was working in and and it was powerful it it was god doing it and but his words his his uh, logic behind the revenge that he was getting on the philistines that had done him dirty he says well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be a whole lot less guilty than the Philistines that got me first. So he's bragging about being less guilty than a Philistine. He's comparing himself. Oh, you know, I'm not as bad as them. Don't hide behind 
somebody worse than you to justify yourself. Somebody knew a hypocrite. Somebody knew a, a bunch of hypocrites. Somebody knew a hypocritical church. Somebody knew a hypocritical preacher. And now, oh, you know what? I know all about Christians. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Beethoven. I guess he was a pretty good musical composer, classical music. Maybe you probably haven't been listening to him today. But I hear he's pretty good. You know, if somebody got a hold of one of his pieces and played it really, really bad, you wouldn't blame Beethoven for that. Right? Somebody just got up there, banged it out, said, hey, let me play you one of his symphonies. Boom, 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 boom. You say, ooh, I don't think I like Beethoven. He is horrible. You know, just because there's a lot of people misrepresenting Jesus, don't blame him. Don't blame the Bible for people that have used it improperly. Amen. It's not God that told him to do that. The Bible says, I press toward the mark. Toward the mark. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God's going to do a lot in your life, but he's... and If you can't get a hold of all that love he has for you and all that mercy and all those promises, and that should motivate you to go toward him more and more every day, then, well, then faith needs to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to find out more about him because the more you know about him, the more you're going to want to go toward him. Somebody asked me a, a a great question here recently, very practical. And uh, sometimes I, I talk to people and kind of feel like God's spirit kind of gives me a little bookmark there and says, hey, get back to that later and maybe maybe use that for some other people who need to hear it. And somebody asked me a question, said, hey, I've got, I, I need to ask you, what's your, what's your advice about, uh, about working, about a job? What do you think? Praying for the will of God, praying for God to uh, help me out and give me direction. What's your advice for work? And I said, I'll give you my advice. Work. (laughs) That's the best advice I give anybody. Just go ahead and work. Amen. Keep praying that God directs you. Keep praying God open doors. Keep your eyes open for better opportunities. But don't be idle. Say, I don't know if this is the will of God. Well, it's definitely not the will of God sitting idle, and that's going to, you're not going toward anything. Until God shows up and really gives you an understanding of, of, of something maybe specific in his will, which usually in things like this, what God does is kind of takes your prayers and your energy to not be idle, and you find out later, wow, I'm in the middle of God's will. This is awesome. But you never find it by sitting idle. And uh, God just drops that in your lap. You, that never happens. And I thought about that after a while. It just kind of stuck in my heart about uh, that conversation. And I thought, you know, to be a Christian, to be a child of God, say once you really surrender your life to God, once you say, okay, God, I'm done running, I'm done fighting, I'm, 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 I want to be your child. I want to turn away from an old life. I want you to help me. I'm turning to you. I trust you. I believe you've got the best for me. I believe you want me to be in heaven more than I even want to be there. I believe you'll forgive me of my sins. And I'm, I'm going to turn from all that. I'm going to turn to you, God. Don't be idle. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Always keep heading towards better. Learning, growing. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If your prayer life isn't heading toward just a more passionate, a more close, loving relationship with the Lord, it's not going in the right direction. Your worship and your faithfulness to the things of God, you need to be heading toward a a closer walk with him. It's been explained to me, even at a very young age, going to church, that it's almost like riding a bicycle. You know, you... You're going to either be moving forward or backward, but you stop, you're going to fall over. You need to be moving because you're going to you're going to find yourself that idea of being stagnant, that idea of just kind of not doing anything. You're really going to start slipping and really start uh, just kind of moving away from the goals that you're moving toward. And hopefully the number one goal is to be saved to make it to heaven. 
always be seeking to be doing the will of God. Remember what I said earlier when we just even just turned to the book of Acts? I said, somebody say, say the book of Acts because it's action. It's doing. These people were, were looking for opportunities to pray with somebody, to, to talk to somebody, to, to grow, to learn. Whatever, whatever stage you're in, don't, don't sit and, and just uh, wait for God to do something. Take what you have and keep moving toward him. Don't be idle. Bible talks about um, gifts that God gives. We talked about that here very recently, that God gifts every one of us. He, he has a purpose for you. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there, there won't be any greater joy in your life where you just feel like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm right where God wants me to be crea- doing what he created me to do. That it's. It might not just be what somebody else does. I might not uh, be able to play an instrument. You know, a lot of people, I want to get this, you know, a little more later on in this. But but a lot of people just, I wonder if I'm going to stand in a pulpit. I wonder if I'm going to go to other countries and, and, and be a missionary. Hey, God has that call in people's lives. But, you know, the best thing to do before that all gets panned out in your life is, First Corinthians, the 12th chapter, you don't have to turn to it, but it starts talking about different gifts and places in the kingdom of God that people uh, that people have been given. And it talks about helps. It talks about helps. And I look at that word and I think, isn't that something everybody should seek to try to be? You know, uh. Whatever God has for you, the whole bottom line is going to be that it helps somebody. There's too many people trying to be the celebrity, trying to be a superstar, trying to be somebody that is seen. And that, where is the help needed? That's, that's the blessing. When you can be a help. When somebody is so glad that you, you were a help. And that's where you can start. Just... Keep learning. Keep just soaking up the things of God, every opportunity you can, like a sponge. And then and then take that and say, God, let me be useful for your kingdom. Let me help somebody somehow. It, it doesn't have to be so spectacular. It might just be like a like that little grain of a mustard seed that God talked about. Amen. But then it grows into something amazing. And it grows into something that even the birds can build a nest in and, and animals can find shell. It, it, it's just some little thing that you did that you put faith in. And you, 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 you just planted that seed, but God used it in a great way. That word helps. I, I looked it up and, and it, it talks to just bring aid. Relief. Be, be, a, be a strength to the people around you. You know, the... the the excuses that are made for people that just just constantly bickering and petty grievances just it's there's no excuse for it we don't have time to play those selfish games i need attention try to be a blessing right. try to be a help if you have a question or you have a legitimate need, that is what we're here for. You're never a bother. That's exciting to me. Answering questions, helping somebody that needs help. God bless the the times that we have opportunities to be a help. But fussing and debating and bickering and is just a, such a waste of time. I, I, Genesis, the 30th chapter, Genesis 30. Um, is a really interesting portion of Scripture. And uh, verse 40, there was a time in Jacob's life, he was, it, it was just kind of a mess. God was kind of getting him from one place to another. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about in a way. You know that sometimes I don't really know exactly where I'm going to end up, but while I'm here, I want to be heading towards something. Do the best you can to just keep heading toward doing more for God. And you're going to find yourself in a better place in your life. Jacob is uh, 
you know, he, he's kind of made his own bed, really, so to speak. He's, he lied and, and cheated and, and he's getting a lot of that back at him, really. But at the same time, God's got a plan in his life. So he's kind of going through a rough time, but he's going to end up better than he was because God's hand is on his life. And you say, that's kind of odd. Yeah, it is really. Isn't God's mercy so odd? Hasn't God been better to you than you ever deserved? Hasn't God been merciful to you when you deserve judgment? Hasn't God, like, I mean, you still paying your bills and got food in the refrigerator and God could have you out on the street begging, but because that's what you deserve. But, but God still keeps, you know what he said? The goodness of God leads people to repentance. So, so God knows how to be good to people that don't deserve it like me, like you. And uh, you see that a lot in the Bible. So Jacob is in the process, kind of being treated poorly by his uncle Laban. And Laban is kind of ripping him off, but Jacob's still, God's working on him and working through him. And, and he gets this idea, Jacob keeps saying, well, I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to keep cutting your pay. Now, he was being paid in livestock, and, and the least desirable livestock was not the ones that were, you know, just the pure white lambs and all that, but it was the ones that had the, the spots and the speckles, and they were known to be blemished in that day. And, and uh, Jacob decided, well, if I get the blemished ones, then I'm going to try to figure out a way to get as many blemished ones as I can. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is scientific, and don't try to make the Bible into a science book, but uh, God had a plan and God, I believe, did something very supernatural and he would, he would put the certain things before them and whatever they, can I say, whatever they looked toward, that's, uh, while they were, uh, drinking at the well and, and, and making little baby lambs and little baby, uh, uh, cattle, whatever was set before their eyes, what they were looking toward seemed to be what, uh, what color uh, babies they would have. And it ended up that Jacob would have many, many more of the, the ones that were speckled, spotted, and blemished, so to speak. And I think there's something God's trying to show us in this, that there's a lot of times the, the New Testament tells us to mark those that you have as an example. Notice them. Get them in front of you. Watch how those prayer warriors pray. Watch how those pillars in the house of God live for God, how faithful they are. And have them for an example to you. I don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think it's any um, just a, a coincidence that, you know, we are so tempted by the junk, wasting time and watching ridiculous things on online television and movies and all that and wonder why our lives aren't going anywhere. We put, you know, filth and perversion and and a lot of blasphemy and things we're listening to, the things we're looking at and and uh and wonder why our lives aren't going in the right direction. God said, I've got some examples for you to follow. Learn. Be discipled. Amen. Have, have have leadership in your life. Have examples in your life. And look at those that are blessed and, and follow them. Find out, well, hey, how did you get so blessed? You know, this idea, it's like people that, you know, some of you with your children and, and how well behaved they are at times. And, and, um, and uh, somebody says, wow, you're so lucky, right? You're so lucky. That just didn't happen for me. It didn't just happen for anybody. Amen. You have to train up your children in the way they should go. That's what the Bible says. Amen. So you're going to find out this whole idea. Well, you don't understand, you know, that one that's been in church and living for God and faithful to God for so long. And they're so blessed. It's just not fair because things, they just don't go easy for me. And obviously they went so easy for them. And I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> You knew the tragedy and the heartache and the pain that some of the most faithful Christians have endured. And, and they know that God is faithful. It's in spite of it. Look in the word of God and find out which one. David, uh, 
didn't get to be a man after God's own heart because he didn't have giants in his way. But, uh, you know, Christians have to overcome adversity. And if you're going to go toward a life that is blessed, a life that is stable and, and solid in God, and you're going to have to stop looking at the lives of people who are just promoting a mess and start seeing what God is doing in his people. Ephesians 4, verse 11. I'm kind of getting where I wanted to go. Ephesians 4, 11 talks about some of the ministry in the church. He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints. There's that word we read to you from Hebrews 6, uh, the perfecting or perfect to, for the maturing, for the growing of that God's people would be going toward. Praise God, a mature walk with him. There, there's no body outside of Jesus that is perfect in the idea that that you don't stumble or make mistakes, have to fix some things occasionally. We are all fighting battles. But this idea of the perfecting of the saints is is that we are heading toward spiritual maturity. And we're growing. We're not, uh, you know, like I said many times, a, a child or a, a baby is just just beautiful in their imperfect ways. You say they're imperfect. How dare you say that they're so perfect? They're the perfect uh, toddler. They're the perfect uh, young child. And, and they're perfect. But, yeah, they are for where they are. But they, if they stay there for very long, it's it's tragic. They were created to to mature, to go on to perfection and and child of God, we weren't created to just be be children, just constantly drinking the milk of of the Word of God. He said, "You got to grow up and get some meat in you." He says, "For the perfecting of the saints." Let me just read through this. We'll get back to this. I just can't just uh, just read this little bit. For the perfecting of the saints, this is what the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That's that we all come together and the world sees Jesus in us. Look what it says. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what this world needs to see. That we henceforth be no more children. See, we're talking about maturity. We're going on to something. We're going towards something, not constantly being children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. A lot of things. I'm going to tell you what. You stay up all night looking at all the different, you know, a lot of the conspiracies that are Bible-centered. You're just going to get so mixed up. Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. See, this is what you got to realize. Some people, the sleight of men, you know what the sleight is? It's like a magician, sleight of hand. Now you see it, now you don't. A lot of preachers online. A lot of preachers out there not telling you the truth. They look very sincere, but it's the sleight of men, the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to see. That's why we say, hey, turn to this in the Bible. Check it out. Go home. Write it down. Check out the context. Come back. And call me out on it. If I'm out of, if I'm using something out of context, that's a different, I want, I want you to know the word of God. By the sleight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. May grow up. There it is again. Into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. That's the unity of the body of Christ. That by every, which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working. I want you to take note of that effectual working in the measure of every part. Are you part? Part of the body of Christ? We need to be working. We need to be doing something. The effectual, something that is effective, something that's helping. In the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Going back to verse 12, the perfecting of the saints. 
That's the work of the ministry. If a man is a God-called preacher and anointed by God's Spirit, his, his job is not to proclaim his own name, to build his own kingdom, to build his own bank account, but it is to minister. What is the ministry of these? It is to help the church, the people grow. I want to be clear on that. When I say to help the church grow, it's not just getting numbers in. We may be talking about this sometime soon, but the idea of so many churches that are all about, well, hey, we got to, we got to fill this church up with people. So, you know, we're going to kind of back off of some of the, some of the things that the Bible teaches that might offend people and try to, try to make sure that, that, uh, you know, I know God wants to fill the house with worship, but that's kind of makes some people uncomfortable. So we're going to kind of try to make them feel it at home in this. And where's the spirit of God in all that? Where is the ability for people to not just hear about Jesus and make a decision, I guess, to, to turn away from their old life into God. But where is the ability to grow into a mature child of God? To be discipled is what Jesus called us to do. Make disciples. For the perfecting of the saints, so the, the ministry, the apostles, prophets, teachers and pastors and evangelists they are to to edify to let me say to perfect the church for now that word for to me is very important because they're building up the church they're 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 discipling the church for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ so when god starts working in you it's it's to help you minister See, everybody gets this idea, and I don't think, you know, in one sense, I'm not saying it's not appropriate to say, well, my, my pastor is a minister. He's my minister. That means a servant. That means somebody that serves. But we all ought to be a part of the ministry. We all, all ought to be looking for our chance to minister, our chance to be a blessing, a help, to, to serve. Not only to, to serve, but to also edify the church. How can I help build the people of the church up? How can I encourage people? Anybody ever come to church or go through the week and they feel like they just, the life's been sucked out of you? You're feeling wore down and you're feeling anything but super spiritual? Hey, there's people in church that ought to be on top of it. Hey, I'm going to encourage and bless and edify, build people up. You come to church and you're all about you and, and somebody else is just hurting. They're weak. They're, they're struggling. Like a lot of us come to church sometimes and then they get around you so gifted and so self-absorbed. Let's just say it did the opposite of helping. God wants to use you to help somebody, encourage them. I believe this is kind of where this is all going to uh, one of the main points I want to make is. Is I believe that God is going to use you in a greater measure. I believe God's got a plan for every one of us. I I believe God has opened doors, not some orchestrated committee or some kind of uh, program, if you will, but just organically just all of a sudden, there's somebody there at your job, somebody there in your family, somebody that you come across that, that really is just needing some kind of direction, some kind of answer. And, hey, God's got you there. Right. I love, I, I want to use this as an example. I love what God is, is doing. We've got this chance to work uh, as a chaplain in West York. And Brother Mike has been so instrumental in, in just kind of setting some things up. And, and some things are looking like they're going to open up even more. But I, I'm just going to going to open up my heart a little bit. Even even uh, the last time you testified, Brother Mike, uh, the other day, you were saying, oh, you know, God's God's doing things. And I believe he's going to do uh, he's going to he's going to use our pastor. And I sat there and thought, I think he's going to use you. Amen. Hey, I, I'm going to preach and I'm going to minister and I'm going to help anybody I can help. But you know what? When you start touching lives and you start touching lives and, and, and all of a sudden, hey, you've got what it takes to help somebody get to heaven. You've got what it takes to point people to Jesus. Amen. Don't ever, ever think, oh, I just got to get them to the pastor. Hey, I'm going to help you any way that I can. 
And sometimes it's a good idea to say, hey, you know what? This might be something that that is uh, kind of above my pay grade, possibly. I don't know. But you can lead people to Jesus. You can be a friend. You can pray with somebody. You can uh, you you can hold that burden in your heart and and give a Bible study. Amen. Don't be afraid. Just keep pointing them to the Lord. Don't get into debates. We talked about this. I don't need to do this tonight, but there's a purpose and a plan. Keep on just loving people and, and showing them how good God has been to you. Sister was telling me, Sister Naomi just called me, the, uh, was it today, yesterday? But, uh, oh, I got to talk to somebody. They were asking questions, good questions. But I started telling them my testimony. I said, oh, God's so good. I started telling about my husband. That's so good. Just tell people, get, let them see how excited you are and what God's done in you. And if you can tell somebody what they've done in you and how they can get it too, hey, you're doing ministry. Amen. It doesn't have to be a part of a program. If God opens the doors to a prison, if God helps you reach out to drug programs and help people there, great, great, great. But you know what? There's people that are afflicted, people that are that are imprisoned by sin. There's people that are, hey, all around you. And if you start heading toward what I'm talking about, you're going to see more doors open. Amen. Well, praise God. I, I remember just a, a, a well, it I almost said just a little while ago, but you know how that is with me. I just, it's just the other day, I guess, right? But we did have some open doors and sister, sister Emily was, was reaching out to somebody just doing friendly visits and reading some scripture, answering some questions, somebody, uh, in prison and, and that person in prison, I think it was, it, it, I don't know if it was their celly or if it was somebody else that, that was, uh, connected to them, maybe when they were, uh, eating lunch, but they said, you know what, uh, you seem awfully happy. Well, I just got a visit. Oh, you seem awfully happy every time that person comes to visit you. I am. It's such a blessing. You think they'd do that for me? Amen. Yeah, of course they would. And after a while, this person was getting visited. Another person was getting a visit. After a while, it was too much for Emily to even deal with. And Sister Charlotte got involved. And I don't, I don't remember who else all got involved after that. But God, God was moving so many ways just to somebody reaching out to somebody who was a neighbor of theirs. And just because they went to jail didn't mean they were going to stop reaching for them. It got to a point where the warden calls me or the chaplain and says, hey, we know what you're doing. Yeah, we're trying to help people. And it stirred things up for a little while. Listen, I want you to start exercising your faith a little bit more. And realize that when God starts working, there's a lot. Listen, there's a lot to do around here. But it's never been my vision. Hey, let's get let's let's get a dozen preachers and a dozen deacons and a dozen. Just just start loving and living for God. Just take the opportunity. You know, some of these places. Well, I need a name tag. It calls me, you know, apostle and prophet in good standing with the Church of Jesus Christ. And can you give me a card? And can you, you know, I want to. I want you to always call me. You know, you know, Deacon Jones or whatever. It's like, You're so full of yourself, you're not doing anything for God. You know, let's just get away from all that. Forget about the program and just start following the Spirit of God. Amen. Exodus 18, you don't have to turn to it. I'm going to try to keep moving and and, and close this out. But Moses got together with his father-in-law. The guy's name was Jethro. And Jethro... Uh, he got to tell him, hey, God's been moving. God's been working. God's been leading us. God's working, man. This is great. And Jethro's excited for him. And then Jethro sees Moses doing everything Moses is doing. Uh, and he's just kind of people line up to talk to Moses, to deal with situations and circumstances here. What does the Bible say about this? What does the law say about this? And uh, settle this and and uh, make them just make them stop doing me wrong. And and the Bible says in Exodus eighteen seventeen, Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Jethro's father-in-law, he didn't even really, you know, it, it doesn't really, he doesn't end up following God's people anyway. He just kind of says, I'm happy where I'm at. Just, uh, and and so that doesn't sound like it was a good idea. But he was smart enough to say, Moses, he needs some help. He said, that will surely wear away both you and this people. They're going to wear away and you're going to wear away. This thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself. Hey, listen, there's a, I, I, I'm excited to just 
be a part of what God is doing. But I, I'm so excited when I see people just saying, you know what? I reached out. I prayed with them. I talked to them. I shared my testimony. I showed them what the Bible said. Amen. It's not all about this pulpit and this preacher. It's enabling you to. And you say, well, maybe God has something for me. That's that. That's well, just keep moving toward it. I don't know what I should be doing. Keep moving toward something, being a blessing, being a help, being encouragement, being somebody that cares, being somebody that helps. Say, well, I, I just help pick somebody up from work. Uh, great. Amen. Great. I don't I think maybe God has more for me than that. Don't sit idle. Wait for something. You might get a chance. They might start talking to you about the Lord. They might they might care about what you have. But you know what? If you turn up your nose and say, you know what? Uh, this is, you know, get somebody who, you know, has time for these little things. God help us. Uh, you just just keep keep moving toward doing something. It's not all glamorous. Oh, I'd love to do what you do, preacher. Well, come on out. Sometimes we'll be shoveling snow. Sometimes we'll be plunging toilets. Sometimes we'll be, oh, help us, Lord. You don't even want to go there. So just, but, but I want to be active. I want to be doing something. I don't want to be sitting around twiddling my thumbs saying, okay, God, you know, where's some great deal for me to do? Just start in your home. Start in your neighborhood. Start at your job. Start with your, just drawing closer to God, taking prayer more seriously. If I could tell you anything about living for God, don't be idle. Just work. Just do something. Just put your heart into it. Look at your time in the Word. Is the quality? Do you are you are you really putting your heart into it? Your time of prayer, your time of worship, your time in church. Put your heart into it. Amen. Ecclesiastes eleven. This is in closing. I know I've said a lot, and we got this. We're going to put this online. You can listen to it again later if you want to. But Ecclesiastes eleven three. I want you to pray about this. God's opening doors. Let God work through you. Let God work through you. Don't get bogged down with where you're ending up. Just keep heading, heading toward. Heading toward God and his will. The Bible says this is important. Ecclesiastes 11.3. If clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth there it shall be I'll tell you the direction you you're going towards listen the Bible says that if I can just kind of paraphrase this the direction that tree falls when it's done when it's over when it's done growing when it's dead and it falls a certain direction that's where it's going to lie when the Lord returns, I want to be heading toward the right direction. Because if I'm heading the wrong direction and that's where I am when I die, that's where I am when the Lord comes back. That's just where I am. And no change in it then. I want to keep moving toward the things of God. Because when it's all said and done, where you end up, where you end up in the end, that's because you went that direction. There's a lot of things in your life you can't control, I know. A lot of situations, circumstances beyond your control, but you can head toward the right, even in your situation. When it's all said and done, I want to be heading the right direction. Let's bow our heads in prayer. The Bible says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. We're living in a day that I would say lacks inspiration. Lacks any motivation to just move toward better. People have given up. People said, what's the use? But I'm telling you today, God's got a purpose for your life. God's got a plan for you. It's not always going to be easy. But even through that, you're going to build strength and experience It's going to matter. It's going to matter what kind of battles you fought. Because you're going to help people fight in battles. You're going to learn how faithful God is. How to be more effective for God. 
through the hard times. But it's easy. It's so easy just kind of try to coast. Pick up your Bible and start working your way through it. Put your heart into it. Pray about it. Start praying and talk to God. Start asking God to help you draw closer to Him. God's going to start working in your life. Turn away from an old life and turn to God. It's called repentance in your Bible. Cry out to God for mercy and say, God, I'm sorry for that old life. I'm turning away from it, God. Now help me. We read about it. We talked about it there in Acts, the second chapter, right before our text about the untoward generation. He said, repent of your sins. He talks about burying that old life, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Bury that old life. It's all gone now. I'm not going back to it. It's dead. It's not who I am. It's who I was. And God will fill you with his power. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. That baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's for you and it's for today. And it's going to help you to keep learning, to keep growing. You get a chance to learn. You get a chance to, to, to soak in the presence of God. To take that chance. Do everything you can to, to eat it up, to, to draw near to Him. And as God starts changing your life, and the Bible calls it sanctification, He starts cleansing you and changing you. Old things pass away chains fall off. All things become new. It's not the end of it. I've heard people already say, I don't know if I'm excited about being a Christian. Well, you haven't been looking at the right Christians. Because the life of a Christian is exciting to be a help, a blessing, to have purpose in your life. It's not all just praying and going to church. It's part of it. It's an important part of it. But reaching out to people and being a, being, having a purpose in your life, having meaning that all the things that you've been through, now you help other people get free. You help other people turn their lives around. You're a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem now. That's exciting to know that God is using even the things that you counted loss in your life, the things that brought you down. Now he's using all that knowledge and experience to be a, a blessing in the world. idol. Keep moving toward the purpose and the plan of God in your life. Come on, let's pray. Let's find a place. Jesus' name. God's got His hand on your life. God knows what you've been through. He knows all the questions you have. He knows all the things that Make it hard for you just to follow him. Listen, you just take some steps. God will start showing himself to be real to you. He'll start breaking down all those things that have been holding you back. You're going to see it. And it's going to be yours. It's not going to be something somebody told you. It's not going to be blind faith. We don't believe in that. It's going to be your walk with him. It's going to be real. open the doors. Just keep looking to, to help, to be a blessing. Help somebody, help your neighbor, help your friend. There's a blessing in this house waiting for you. Yes, there is. Lord, I pray you help each one. fighting battles. God's going to help you. You've got questions. It's all right. God's going to answer those questions. Just don't give up. Keep working. Keep moving toward toward God. He said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you.
listen, you just draw near to God. You talk to Him. He'll bring healing to you. You search the Scriptures. You make sure it's there. You make sure it's right. Nobody's calling you just to blindly follow anything. You listen. You just let God begin to work in your heart. He'll do it. He'll show Himself real to you. Because God wants you to be His child. God wants you to be in heaven with Him. Boggles my mind, really. It just blows my mind completely to think as much as I want to be saved, as much as I don't want to be lost. Jesus came and suffered on a cross for me to be saved. I haven't done near that. He must want me to be there more than I even want to be there for the price He paid for me. And He paid that price for you. God, we love You so much. God, I thank You for Your presence here today. And I thank You for the doors You're opening. I thank You, Lord, for the work You're doing. But Lord, I I believe we're just getting started. This last day when the devil's fighting so hard, I believe You've got people that will do exploits. You're going to have people doing Your will. In a greater measure, Lord. Lord, work through us. We just yield ourselves to you. We say, have your way, Lord. Have your way. Can we all just stand one more time, please? Father, we ask you now to go with us. Let this word, Lord, just be planted in good soil. That will bring forth hundredfold, God. Lord, keep us safe as we travel. Keep us safe as we drive from this place. To continue to keep your hand on Sister Emily, Lord. God, just keep her in your hand of protection, Lord, as she drives. And God, bless each one, Lord. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you.